Welcome to Reflection as a Service. I'm your host, Paul Merrill, here with my co-host. James Jeffers. And we are happy to see you guys tonight. It's been a, been a couple weeks. How are things going? They're going pretty good. I think, I think I'm excited for all the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. Me too. Me too. So we said tonight we're going to focus on the entrepreneurship part of this podcast. Normally, we talk about either entrepreneurship or software. We take a conversation from each and kind of do one part, one and one and the other. This time, we're going to focus on the entrepreneurship part. And the topic that we were going to talk about is marketing. Um, so maybe why did that come to mind when we were just coming up with the topic? I think because we, we started talking about what we've been up to. And it occurred to me like... Uh, you know, in months past, the things that occupied our attention were things like uh, dealing with, with clients uh, because we were doing technical work for them. And now I think we've moved into a phase where we've realized uh, if we want to grow our businesses and not live out of a cardboard box, uh, we're going to have to pay attention to marketing. So I know we both, we both have gone to a business coach. And the business coach isn't telling us things like, Okay, you need to have a to-do planner. You need to <laughs> dress sharply. Well, I don't I mean, know what she's telling you. I know what she's telling me. Well, I mean, but I mean, her focus is let's let's build a pipeline, right, of yeah. customers. And so to get people into that pipeline, you need to be able to market to them effectively. Yeah. So if you don't mind, let's take a, let me take a, a step back and step. Help. maybe I can help frame as well. So, yep. so I like your frame. Um, this person, the, the coach that we have is a marketing person. Right. Nature. Yes. So, and both of us are technical people. So I think each of us comes to the table needing her particular skills. Yeah. And, um, and so we're focusing on them to try to learn them. And we realize that those are weak points that, that we need. Now, I also have to admit that my first experience with marketing back in 2005 or four, I mean, there are plenty of marketing experiences before that, but um, the first time that I spoke with a marketing department or marketing head within a company was around then. These were people in my mind that basically they sat around and talked about colors and they talked about things like calls to action and they had lots of fluffy fluffiness about them. And there was no real science there. It was just kind of let's push things out into the, to the cosmos of people and let's see what other fluff happens. And this was kind of as a, as a software engineer, this is how I viewed marketing. Is, was your yeah. experience the same? Yeah. Like, what do you guys do? They just, just sit around and talk about ideas all day. Like, right. that's, that, that is honestly what I thought they did. They're idea people. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So, to me, as a software engineer, it's like I'm doing the real work. It, without me, this company wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. work. It, it wouldn't, wouldn't work. work right? Yeah. So, did you have similar feelings? Oh, yeah. I remember having a conversation with... Uh, a marketing director at a startup I was at and I asked him pointedly, I was like, so when you talk about like market size, like how do you know? And he basically kind of waved his hand and said, well, there's studies and it's kind of like fuzzy and you know, it's taken with a grain of salt. And immediately in my head, I'm thinking, I can't get away with that in my job. Like I just can't <laughs> say, well, maybe this will build this time. Maybe we'll see. We'll, we'll see if that, if that server returns the response I want. Like that wouldn't fly. And so to me, it just seemed like really kind of weird. And I just never understood how people were making any decisions because there didn't seem to be anything solid you could grab onto. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of dismissed all that as um, crazy talk. Sure. If I just built good stuff, people would naturally gravitate towards me and say, James, here's some money. That's exactly right. 
Here's some money. Take it from me. I want whatever you've got. Make more of it. I'll give you even more money. I can right? I can see clearly that you are, you're making a superior thing, and yeah. I want to pay money for that. Yes. What you do is better and special. You're a special snowflake, and I like it, and I want more of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then then you sit down, and uh, so here's here's kind of how my transition went. Like, in the back of my mind, there's this nagging thing that says, near near Christmas time, if I see a polar bear on the screen... I know that a red wavy bottle with a white wave across it and some, you know, cursive writing that says Coca-Cola is coming up next, right? Yep. And if I hear the clip-clop of Clydesdales, I know the Budweiser is coming next. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, there is actually something to this, right? But it, yep. but it was just too fluffy for me to, to grab onto. So step forward in time. Where Did you have that in the back of your head? And at what point did you start to see... Um, the the problem of I don't know anything about how to get someone to even know about my product or my services as opposed to uh, the way that you were thinking before. Well, you may you may or may not recall, but I spent a good chunk of my professional career working for online advertising technology platforms, and so I could not avoid the fact that I saw tremendous amounts of money being sloughed back and forth between ad networks and publishers and. I kept wondering, like, there must be some payoff that is occurring in order for people to continue to pay money to have advertisements show up. And I understood the mechanics of it, but I was like, what's the psychology? Like, what? Like, is there, in fact, a payoff? And clearly there was. And I think, like, I remember uh, the big spear point that they were using to attack Google's advertising was attribution. And so I thought, well, why is that important, Right. And they talked about how, you know, yes, the last search that someone makes before a purchase was getting 100% of the credit for bringing that person to the merchant. Okay, so just real quick. Yeah. Spearhead and attribution, what are those things? Okay. So uh, at the time, I worked for Microsoft's advertising, and they really wanted to go after the big, you know, 500-pound gorilla in the advertising space, and that was that was Google and DoubleClick. And so they thought the weakness of of the advertising model was that uh, when they look at how a user gets from a web page uh, anywhere on the internet to a person who's selling a product, they want to be able to go back to that person selling the product and say, look, if you spend money with us to show these, your advertisements on other sites, you know, if you spend money on, on our, on us to do that, we will demonstrate to you that it's effective because we can point to evidence in this trail of web visits that look, this person did a web search for Buick. And they saw one of your Buick ads and they, they came to your dealership uh, or Coca-Cola. Uh, but people were observing that, in fact, you know, what, what really is likely is happening is the person's probably seeing not just a message here, but on a magazine or on television or they hear it on radio. And they're probably hearing thousands of these messages. So why would you why would you give all the credit or attribution to the last thing that they did? And part of that was just because that's the easiest thing to do. Right? We just label that. So Microsoft that was, well, what if we had a model where we could we could more accurately track w- where people were getting the ideas that, you know, this this product exists and I, I want this thing and therefore I'm going to go get it. So, but I I was like, well, they they must know something about like the psychology of well, how someone becomes aware that a product exists, right? What what does that involve? And it, and I kind of, kind of put it in the back of my head because I didn't have to worry about it. That wasn't my that really, really wasn't my job. But once I became responsible for my own paycheck, and I was like, oh, if I want to have work, that means I need to sell a promise of my work to somebody else. 
And then I was like, well, where do I find these people? And so at that point, I began to really realize, oh, like, like marketing is going to be important. And I, and I think I've gotten to the point where it's like I wanted to be, get better and better clients. And so part of that was identifying who are the good clients for me, where, where are the best fits. And I think just, you know, going out and shouting into the world, hey, I write software. Like, I think that could get you some work, but it's not necessarily going to be the work that's um, best suited for where you want to go. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. So I, I knew that at some point, oh, I'm going to have to understand sales and marketing. And the more I read about other people that um, were like me, who were in the consultancy game and were looking to build products, you know, they were like, well, you know, you're going to spend a thousand hours building your product and then you'll spend 10,000 hours marketing it. And that's really what's going to make the difference. That, so that, that was, I don't know how, yeah. how much ramble I just went on. No, there. I think that was great. So, so I know for, for me, when I started How to Geek On, which was my, my first business, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a uh, IT jobs help consultancy type thing for IT individuals, individuals in IT that were out of work during the downturn in uh, 2009, 2008. And one of the first things that I did was I went to a class at Wake Tech here in the Triangle near uh, Cary, North Carolina. And they had a class on, I think it was starting the entrepreneurial venture or something like that. And this guy did a terrific job teaching the course. And the main thing that we did in that course was to write up a business plan. And so he gave us a template for a business plan. And a business plan sounds like this terrible catalog of text that you have to write out. And I think that's the way that I viewed it at the time. And it took me three months to write that business plan. And so it was like my baby and everything. But a part of that goes into how are you going to acquire customers? And it gets into your marketing plan. And a marketing plan is something that I've learned over, over time, you're going to have to have, regardless of uh, if it's written down inside a business plan or in some other form, uh, some other media. But what I found myself writing was the same argument that I hear a lot of people make now, which is really all I have to get is 1% of <laughs> all the people in the United States to buy my product and I will be just as rich as I could be. And it's a faulty argument, and, and I only learned that through having tried it, that if your business plan and your marketing plan is all I have to do is to get 1% or 0.1% or 0.0% of anybody, fine, but how are you going to get those people? And I see that again and again and again now when people come up with the 1% per, you know, of China argument is what I, what I call it now. We could just capture 1% of the Kleenex market in China. We're, we're got to make Yeah, but how do you get that, that 1%? Yeah. And that's something that to me, it's still incredibly intimidating every single time. Like I, we were just talking about, I just sent out a, a email blast to 600 people and it makes me very anxious to know that I'm sending out that many emails to that many people. So what do you, um, but that, but that's not even 1% of the United States, right? 600 people is tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. I, can I ask you about the what you're feeling when you're having to send out an email to a bunch of people? Sure. Because I, I get nervous when I... One of the things that I, I was tasked with was to reach out and talk to one business owner. Yeah. And that made me pretty nervous. You know, I, I always had the feeling like I'm just an imposition on this person. Yeah. Um, so what was coming up for you when you were like, I'm about to send out an email to 600 people? Yeah. Well, this is, these are the demons that rear their heads from underneath the, the boat. So there's a, um, from the hold of the boat. So I'm, I'm reading. Okay. So the metaphor there comes from, uh, this book that I've been reading called the happiness trap. 
And the happiness trap, a part of it, he talks about when you're going to do new things and when you're going to attain, go, go after some new goal or some new objective, all of these negative thoughts that come into your mind, they may have settled down while you have not been trying to grow or while you have not been trying to do anything. But the minute you start trying to steer that ship or in a different direction or you try to start trying to gain another uh, goal. Yeah those negative things are going to come back up. And so that's the anxiety and fear that I feel. And, and specifically what it is, is what you said. Like, I'm going to be bothering these people by sending them an email. Um, I don't like to get email. I don't, I feel like it's spam. Any promotion that I get, I feel like it's spam unless, um, unless I've had a chance to see maybe a few of those emails and decide whether or not it's, it's worth it, I guess is, is a part of that. Um, but now I realize what I'm doing is I'm, I'm offering up something that is valuable to a lot of people and it could help a lot of people. And if they want to jump on board and, and look at what's going on here and they find that they identify with the problem that I'm proposing we can solve, we're in a good place. We can find a match and I can do something helpful for them. So um, I'm trying to look at it as more of a service, but it still brings up a lot of anxiety for me. Yeah, and I, I always, I ne could never figure out why the concept of marketing and sales was um, uncomfortable to me until I think, do you remember a guy by the name of, I think his name is Steve Pavlina? No. So he was a guy who was writing, oh gosh, it, it seems like it's been 10 plus years ago. And he, he actually made money writing computer games, uh, mostly puzzle-oriented games. And he had an entire... Uh, website devoted to talking about how to develop these games. And at the time, I, I kind of thought, well, maybe I could do this too. Um, and so I started reading his blog, and eventually, I think he just went off the deep end into Lulu land. But um, he did talk about how to market stuff, right? And that, so part of his thing was, if you're having trouble marketing something, it's because you don't believe that what you're offering is the best thing that you could possibly offer. Mm. And I thought, in, in some ways, I think that that's kind of true. Like if you don't necessarily, if you don't believe that what you're, what you're going to sell to somebody is like the best thing you can give them, like it's an actual valuable thing to them, then you're going to have a natural resistance to marketing it. I, I'm, I almost agree with you. Like I'm like a 90 something percent agree with you. The way that I think it may just be the way that we both view the same concept or the same principle. To me, the way that I view it is not necessarily that, uh, it's not necessarily the way you said it. It would be more like if there is any discrepancy in the way that I feel about what I'm offering, um, then there's going to be a problem in the, in, in having any resonance with a customer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in other words, if it's not just that, cause I can believe that what I'm offering is great, but if the way that I'm offering it or the image that I'm presenting or the vision that I'm presenting is anywhere different than something that I believe we can do, then that's a problem. If the way that we're doing it uh, uses values that are different than my internal ones, then there's going to be some dissonance and strife that causes friction in helping that customer come in and and work with us. Does that? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think also customers will pick up on that. Like when they're... Just they, by they do, yeah. the first 30 seconds I'm talking to you, if they sense that something's off, like their lizard brain will begin that rapid, something's not right, something's not right, something's not right. And then you'll, I think you'll start to feel it from the, from the other person who you're talking to. Because yeah. you'll sense their hesitancy, like, I'm not exactly sure I want to walk into this clearing. 
Yeah. You know, there might be a leopard in those, you know, and, waiting for me. And I think that's really, really difficult to, to get past and to try to identify and deal with. I think we jumped into deep into marketing. And I, I wonder if some of our folks listening need more, a more gentle introduction <laughs> instead of deep diving into it. Well, yeah, maybe it maybe start in the shallow. And so how do you think about marketing? I, to me, we talked a little bit about advertising. Yeah. We talked a little bit about, uh, how about positioning and these are and these are different aspects of marketing and different tools that one can use to market a brand or a company or a service can you here's a question can you effectively do marketing without having a position because like so so you're you're saying that maybe positioning whatever it is you're positioning is fundamental to to the concept of marketing to begin with yeah and i'll tell you from somebody who acted as a generalist for a long, long time is really hard to sell yourself on what you can do because you have to fight this uphill battle of people asking, well, what do you do? And then you have to play this, this dance back and forth with the other person. What do you need? Well, I need X, Y, Z. What can you do? And then you say, well, out of those things, I can do these three things. And then, so because there's that uncertainty about, well, what is it that you're bringing to the table? Uh, and if you have a much more narrow uh, focus on what it is that you offer, then you can market people. You're basically looking for people that are looking for that. And so you, if you know that that's a problem that people are saying, Hey, I've got this issue. Right. And that happens to be the thing that you're going to focus on. Um, you don't have to sell them on what I do, what do you need? Right. You know, you can basically get your message as I solve this problem. Do you have this problem? You have this pain. I've got the fix. Yeah. And I think, so I think there are, I feel so sophomore talking about marketing because I know so little about it. I mean, yeah. I really feel like I'm at the very beginning. So this is kind of like the people who are at the beginning of this talking about how it, how it works. And maybe, maybe we're just exploring the concepts together, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that one aspect of marketing is, is positioning and setting up your audience or, or, or putting your audience together in one place that they can listen to your message. Um, selecting your audience to begin with. Yep. I, I think there are several different ways that I tried to go about marketing my business or promoting the, the business and promoting the brand. And the first was um, probably I'm going to go to everyone that I know and then I'm going to present what it is I'm offering and hopefully I'll get enough people interested out of that, uh, whatever. Another way that I did it was I'm going to try to gather together all the right people in the right place at, at an event that I host and see if I can um, bring people together to, to buy what I'm selling. What I found in those is that the number of people that I know is incredibly small, right? I mean, yeah. e even if I know 600 or 700 or a thousand people in the triangle, how many of those people are, a lot of those people are probably in technology, right? How right. many of them experience the problem that I'm trying to solve? Getting honest with that, it was key for me. And then that comes back to the positioning argument or the positioning idea, which is, you have to find, you have to, you have to cast a really broad net yep. and a really big net. And when you do that, you have to set it up in such a way that the mesh catches the fish that you want and the fish that are in the right position for, for what you're offering. So out of those two, um, approaches, are you still using those? So that's, that's the other things I feel like that you, you have, these are now I'm understanding these are tactics. This is not the general principle. Yeah. Um, so you take these tactics and use them in combinations. Um, yes, I use different, I'm using different tactics now 
that I've used in the past, but I'm using a lot of trying to use a lot of different ones at the same time. So yes, I'll set up an event and try to have specific people get there or, um, I'll try to reach out, find a bigger list and go after them. Um, it kind of felt like in the beginning, you either go to where the people already are or you bring the right people to you. That's kind of the way that I felt in the beginning. And now I try to do both. Right. And so, um, and how, when you first started, like, what, what channels were you using to, to achieve both of those? Like, was it mostly personal contacts? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, that's what you're doing too, right? I mean, isn't that what you've done? Up, up to this point, yeah. But I recognize like, the limitation. Like you said, like, I, am, I only have so many hours in the day. I only know so many people. And even if I do a perfect job on every single uh, piece of work that comes my way, um, the number of contacts I can make that will give me positive referrals is pretty linear. Yeah. Right? And it's going to take me a very long time to build a significant network. And so it's really, really inefficient. And it's, it's far more difficult than uh, what, I'm, what I'm beginning to learn is that by actually having a position and trying to figure out what is my audience, like struggling with that and fixing that problem, seems like that's, that's basically gives you the longer lever from which you can move a, you know, a much heavier object. Uh, you know, and being, you know, those things have to be in place before you begin to have a more effective approach to marketing. Um, so, and I'll just say like, like before, like I said, it was all word, you know, word of mouth, uh, grew very, very slowly. And I was like, that's not going to be fast enough to pull in the kind of clients that in the last six or seven months I've been looking to get. And I'm like, well, how can I get better? And I thought, well, I need to, I need to bring in an expert. And so I think it's your recommendation. I hired this business coach. And so far I've been pretty, pretty pleased with, uh, the challenges that have been put before me and I feel like excited and energized to sort of go in and try to tackle them. Whereas before it was kind of like, I wasn't really sure like how effective I was being at pulling in new work. And so it kind of comes like, like almost like drudgery, which is a kind of a, it's a vicious cycle, right? Because if you dread that process, you're not going to want to do it, but you need to do it. Otherwise your business is just going to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, and, and I think, to do, I think usually if you are interested in the thing that you're trying to accomplish, things turn out better. And so for me, when I have a goal, I tend to end up getting very interested in the pieces that help me accomplish that goal in order to make it work. It's just yep. kind of the way that I work. Um, so marketing has become this new, new quote unquote five six year old <laughs> thing to me. Um, more, but I'm learning a lot more more recently about it. I think, you know, some of the parts of marketing that are so interesting to me now are things about the brand and how, how, for instance, a person sees an advertisement, which is a tactic for promoting your services or products, and they see the ideas around it and they look at the colors and they look at the symbolism and they look at all the, the messaging and everything that's there and they get this feel for whatever your, your company is. So they take that advertisement and then they click through it to your website and does it have this consistency is the same message still there is the same feeling still there what is what is it that i get out of that and then let's say that they come to one of your events some physical event where you're doing i don't know an open house at your at your office right, right yeah and they walk into the office do they have the same feel and the same vibe from inside the office and from the people there and do the people have the same 
culture and the same values and everything that, that all of those other symbols have. And then they go from there and they get a promotional brochure and they look at that and does that have the same thing? And they look at your card. And to me, those things are so interesting. And how does all of that work together to help attract folks that can benefit from your services? Because if, like in that scenario, if someone has a, they have an emotional experience uh, through all of these efforts up to a certain point, and then they they go to the, to the next phase, right? They actually come into your office for this event, and the vibe they get is completely different than what they had before. Like you're, red flag, right? That's I mean, isn't that yeah, yeah. what you would do? Right, right. Like you, um, if all the, if all of the branding that they've seen up to then has has green on it, yeah, and they walk into your office and the walls are pink. Like, wait, am I in the right place? Am I in the right place? That's the first question. And is that what you want them asking when you walk in the door? Right. No. I want them to not think about it. I want them to see the green when they walk in the door. If my brand is green, which is not, my brand is blue, right? But I want them to see the blue when they walk in the door. Yeah. You know, so they, the, the door is blue. The door has the sign on it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and everything about the office says something about the company. I mean, I don't have an office right now. We all work remotely. Uh, we, we will one of these days very soon have an office, but, um, if, 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 uh, if we keep doing good for our customers. <laughs> yeah. I want an office and oppressed uh, office workers and I'll know I've made it. No. Uh, um, yeah. I, Is that inter- do those things interest you? I, I had never really considered it before. Like, like, but I think, um, I think I'd mentioned before that I've been listening to the freelancer show and they were talking about uh, marketing and telling stories. And that, but I think, I think that's related, right? Because if you're going to tell a story to somebody, right. As part of a, a marketing effort, you're basically telling the story about, you know, your customers issues and who's going to help solve them. Well, you, right. But if the, feedback they get from that story is disconcerting if it's jarring if it's emotionally disturbing uh to them they're not going to engage any further right sure there no one no one is going to willingly seek out an experience which is stressful especially if they already have a problem that's causing them stress right they're going to want to go to somebody who's going to alleviate that anxiety so if their emotional response to your marketing is one of confusion i think you're right like the first thing they'll be is like Something doesn't feel right. Yeah. I'm going to turn around and, and go somewhere else. Like how, like I think, um, how many times have I complained in the past about like the experience I get run off the bat interacting with, uh, whatever, whatever business entity, whether it be my local cable provider or whoever, right? I knew it's, you were going to say that. Yeah. So I'm not going to mention. I don't want them to cut off our bandwidth right, right now. The beast <laughs> that shall not be mentioned. <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, we've, we've, we've had instances where we've just, we're just flabbergasted at how bad the customer experience is because it, and it, I think maybe our outrage is, is in fact because we are targeted by some of the marketing that goes on. Like I will, I, I, for instance, there is a, um, there is a uh, co-working space nearby, which I will not mention that presented one thing on their website, but my experience of dealing with them was entirely different. It was almost I almost feel like I've been lied to about the situation. And I understand like the situation around my experience with them. And I'm not like mad, but at the time it was just like, it seems so weird, right? I was like, why would you present some information on your site? That was one thing. And I, I'm treating that as a, as a marketing channel, right? Cause I went to Google and typed in co spaces 
And this one came up, and then it's like, hey, we're open. Come on in. And when I get there, it's like, no, we're not open. And so to me, that's like a, that's a moment where you're like, what is going on here? Like, like yeah. I'm about to, I want to pay you money. And you're basically telling me that you don't even have your act together. So like, to me, that was like, I don't know. Like it took, it took me a long time before I was like, no, oh, maybe we'll like, I'm going to try again. I don't know. Yeah. But I think you're, you know, so I think you're right. Yeah. Like if, if they're, if the emotions tied in with what the customer experiences, you know, being as part of that, that marketing effort and suddenly you shift gears, if you cause them distress or more anxiety, that's not what you want. I think that that just adds additional friction. If most people, especially if they have options, right? They're just going to go to somebody else, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, all of us are trying to take a problem and say, listen, customer, do you have this problem? We have a solution. This is what it is. This is what the vision looks like. And one of the things that I find or have found and have read about is the concept of from problem to vision, what you're trying to do is it, it there's like this elastic in between. And the, the distance between the two, um, if it's right, you have tension between the two, between the problem and the vision. And there has to be tension. Otherwise, there's nothing to pull the customer toward you. Um, but if the vision is too far, whatever that elastic thing is snaps and the customer can't see a way to get to that vision. So that's, that's another piece of this, that you're presenting a problem set that you know how to solve and you're positioning uh, this in such a way that you show how to solve it, but that vision has to be at the right point as well. So that's been something that's been a challenge for me so far. And frankly, every customer that I go in, what I'm realizing is they all have a different problem. It may look similar to the one that we're, we've talked about in marketing. Hopefully it does. And we're aligned on that, but it is unique and their particular solution and the vision that I can present to them is going to be slightly different based on where they are and where I believe they can get. It would be ludicrous for me to go into a place that I know doesn't have the right characteristics or properties to attain a specific goal and say, yes, this is the goal we want to meet. Yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. So I have to gauge it based on their particular um, world. Just, I mean, that's, I assume you see the same thing, right? Yeah, I think if I approach all of my clients with the same attitude that, you know, this is the solution to what your problem is, um, I think I'd be out of business at this point. Yeah. I think that's the best thing I can say about it. Um, I, I think to, to kind of wrap up, maybe we can give like, if you had to give advice to someone who realizes that they're in a position where they have to start paying attention to marketing, they have to start paying attention to the, the soft skills that for a technical person seems mysterious and, and weird and, and why would anybody pay attention to that? What would you, what would be your advice? Is there a resource or an action they could take to help them figure out like, what is this marketing thing? How do I put my arms around it? So, well, I, I don't know because I don't know what everybody would be interested in. Just like we were talking about recently. <laughs> um, the first step is if you, if there is any concern that you feel or ambiguity that you feel in what you're offering, there's probably something to investigate there and investigating that would be the first step. The second step would be once you start identifying what the problems are, um, figuring out the solutions. And if that means learning more about marketing and learning more about positioning, I, I mean, I don't have a good book for those things. I know I read guerrilla marketing yeah. um, to start out and that was a good book to start out with. I can tell you specifically if, if 
if that is your issue where you do feel some dissonance about what you're offering, going out onto all the social media in the world and writing all the blogs in the world isn't going to help you. Yeah. You have to identify what that problem is first and then work it from that angle, I think. I mean, but that's just my limited experience. And once again, I'm a sophomore at this. So. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm. What's your. Oh, rank amateur. Uh, I would say seek the help of others. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so I, I think there's, depending on how much time and money you have, right? I think the first thing you can do is probably go out to find other podcasts. I and mean, that's pretty much what I did. I started looking for people that were, uh, either developers or used to be developers or consultants that their marketing was their jam. And I started listening to what they had to say. And then the next step up from that was uh, find a group of people like yourself, other peers that you have and communicate with them. So you can join a mastermind group yeah. uh, form a mastermind group. I think there's a uh, service called mastermind jam that will help you figure out people who are, have similar ambitions and they're at a similar stage in their business development and they'll help you figure that out. And so I'm kind of like, mm, maybe that's something I should look into. And I think the next option from that is if you if you really want to go more uh, full speed is to get someone who can help you one-on-one, right? A mentor or a coach, right? Yeah. Either somebody you're, you're paying to do that or yeah, I mean, if you're really lucky, you find someone who is like, oh, yeah, I was, I was in your shoes and right. I'll be more than happy to be your coach or mentor. I think mo- most people who have done something well want to share it with someone else. So usually finding a mentor is easier than you might think. I think finding ones that you that you really sync up with well and that you have the same values with is important. What would you say? So I guess for all the software engineers listening, yep. um, we didn't really talk about that a lot tonight. Hopefully this sheds a little bit of light on something that maybe you didn't know much about or something you're curious about, the, the idea of marketing and the art of marketing. We're not just two old people that... <laughs> I mean, I guess we are to some people. That, to some people. To some of these people, maybe we're just old. But I I feel privileged to have come across this knowledge and information for my road have taken me to a place where I can appreciate it. And so my sharing it on a podcast, and I, I think yours is the same, is specifically because we we appreciate what we learned and we want other people to get something out of it too. Um, so hopefully you won't just call us old. <laughs> Fair enough. My son calls me old all the time. <laughs> you probably deserve it. From yeah. Him, right? well, yeah. <laughs> I think like today in the car, he was demonstrating a dance that he had learned and it was the Macarena. And I was like, where did you learn that? He's like, oh, at the YMCA. I'm thinking that's surprising. He's like, why? And I'm like, because you weren't even alive when that song was around. So how did you... I understand how I got to him, but um, yeah, he's, he's like, because you're old, you're old dad. Well, this has been fun. Uh, you've been listening to Reflection as a Service. Um, once again, I'm Paul Maryland from Beaufort Fairmont Automated Testing Services. Look us up on the web at BeauftFairmont.com. You can find James on Twitter at JD Jeffers, yeah. myself on Twitter, D. Paul Merrill. And you can always reach out to us uh, through, through those or through our websites. Anything you want to add? Be safe out there. Be safe out there. Thanks so much. Y'all have a good night.